again one more time to Radio Gripe. Uh, this is our general discussion show, and you're here with the coffee crew another Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Joe. And I am Jen. And uh, yeah, we're here to just kind of go over uh, some of the dumb shit in the world over the last week, kind of get you caught up. We know not everybody stays on the news every day, so I can't blame you, you know. So we're here to kind of fill in some gaps here and there. Sometimes knowing that we are going to do this show, I like to keep up with the news and what's going on. This has not been a good week for me and mm -hmm. doing that, um, I've spent my free time on the internet, on YouTube and Reddit over mm -hmm. the last few mm -hmm. days, uh, which is why I know about the... The giant 220-ton cargo ship, the Ever Given, yeah, 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 uh, which has somehow lodged itself sideways in the uh, Suez Canal, blocking uh, other ships as they pile up in the jam. And the reason I know about this from Reddit is because of Rule 41 of the Internet. <laughs> Those unfamiliar with the rules of the Internet, uh, Rule 41 is everything is someone's sexual fetish. So someone had uh, chosen to represent this. Uh, situation <laughs> I can't creatively <laughs> God. Uh, in the in the form of a, uh, a voluptuous big titty big ass woman who had gotten herself lodged in a bathroom uh, sorry in a bathtub okay uh, and, and is very embarrassed as people call around her to move her big ass so they can get through the canal well that's too bad I mean uh, I, I don't want to yuck on people's yums or anything like that. You know, um, I, I think that all things need to be you know, uh, consensual. I think it's a beautiful thing about humanity that someone can look at a, uh, a stuck massive shipping container <laughs> and get a little twitch down there and immediately start making fan art. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's one of the news stories that I got pretty tired of hearing about pretty quick. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's causing some economic uh, uproar and, and things. There's, there's a whole lot of cargo that needs to be getting to places. There's animals who are trapped on ships that oh, can't no. get through. Like there's, you know, there's some real problems over it, but well, it's really dominated the headlines and I kind of feel like it's kind of a non-story. Wow. I'd see again. I didn't know this until Reddit yesterday on, uh -huh. on our cringetopia, but, yeah. uh, yeah, as of today, as of recording time, uh, people are still working tirelessly to, uh, um, unburdened the ship enough to get it to yeah <laughs> to to adjust its position anyone that's had to struggle up um anyone who's had to move to a second or third story apartment with, a, uh, with like your a couch switch will back rec recognize this struggle yeah yeah been there uh put put more than one hole in a wall trying to get a couch through uh, a door with the wall that's too close on the inside sometimes you have to Sometimes, mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes you have to pivot. Before we get too far in, I'll go ahead and point out that the views and opinions expressed here on Radio Gripe do not reflect the opinions of KBSR as a whole. Uh, we're given uh, the free reign over our part of these waves to do what we want to do, so what we want to say, and so we're going to keep on doing that. Now, moving on, picking up that thread on, uh, you know, uh, Rule 41 or sex stuff, I guess, in general. Uh, there was a fun thing that I found in the news. Of course, this happened back in uh, September, but the case is moving along. Uh, Pastor Travis Clark uh, and two dominatrices were arrested last September for obscenity. Uh, 
and recently have been charged with vandalism after filming a three-way on top of the altar at Saints Peter and Paul Catholic Church in Pearl River, Louisiana. That sounds like so much fun, honestly. I know, right? So apparently a fucking narc who was walking by the church saw him through the window and called the cops. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Attorney Bradley Phillips, representing the dominatrices, had this to say. Uh, this is nothing more than a thinly veiled attempt to regulate the morality of private individuals. Just because you don't like something doesn't make it criminal. My clients look forward to their day in court as we continue to fight this baseless allegation. I'll say... I don't think it's a baseless allegation if y'all were filming it. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think that it happened. But also, I'm looking forward to that day in court if they're going to use that video as uh, evidence. That would be fun. Oh, I be hope a, so. A little courtroom scene. I, I think when you had mentioned this to me earlier, and you said you were looking forward to the, de the defense's argument. Yeah. Um, I said I would, if I was a lawyer, I would be stoked to represent the dominatrixes. Mm -hmm. uh, they are doing what they do yeah it's the pastor i think that is going to have a harder defense to make yeah he was fired uh pretty much the day immediately after as soon as he was arrested uh and the church's altar was burned uh to ashes and a new one was Whoa. consecrated last october um, can't they just douse it with holy water i mean i don't know i don't know how this works i am really hoping that there's going to be some copycats that keep breaking into the same church and doing the same thing. I know uh, that's hot. They got to they got to get a new altar every year. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about the taboo aspect of it. Yeah. Well, and that's you know. So there's not a whole lot. Uh, there the trial is kind of like moving forward, and I can't wait to get some more of the details insofar as why were they doing this in a church? Why were they filming it? I think you can guess, Joe. I mean, yeah, I guess. It's it's just really interesting. The, the and having it having the documentation it, of it is really the thing that kind of gets me here. The thing too is, but having it on if if your dominatrixes have video evidence of you committing sacrilegious acts, mm -hmm. especially if you're placed in a humiliating okay. situation. Here we go. That just their possession of that, and we're assuming these women are professionals. They're not actually going to blackmail you, but having. Yeah, that yeah. hanging over you definitely intensifies your sexual excitement in that kind of situation. So that's almost Rule almost surely why they did it. 41. There are people who are uh, turned on by the idea of somebody kind of lording power over them and just kind of holding it. And we've heard over the last couple of years, people who give all of their financial data uh, to a dominatrix and... Yes. Knowing that that dominatrix could actually financially crush them and could release all this information about their life is a thing that, you know, helps them get the rocks off. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, you do you. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the businesses that employ these men would probably not be happy uh, <laughs> probably not. to be involved in that case well, with their personal data. But these businesses need to hire, hire their own uh, dominatrix department. Maybe they should. <laughs> I, yeah. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Bring them into the fold. And get these women some bennies. Yeah, there you go. And some full-time regular employment if that's what they want. But women and men. Women and men. Mm -hmm. 
some other small news things that I saw just kind of pop up. Uh, apparently, there's a new pasta shape. It's called Sfoglini. 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 And, uh, yeah, I don't know. This abomination uh, kind of looks like cut open a, an elbow noodle and frilled it at the edges. Or if you kind of took a lasagna noodle and kind of curled it weird. Um, it's it's meant to capture sauce. Uh, and it's going to be... Uh, Does it is it vaginal? I wouldn't say so, no. Is it floral? Mm, perhaps a little bit. It looks like uh, like a, like it could be a piece of viscera. Okay. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that's gonna that's gonna change the world of pasta, I guess. Uh, and of course, we got to see uh, another little tidbit of our man Ted Cruz. Uh, he had apparently done a, a documentary style trip to uh, the border, where he was. Uh, you know, filming himself, and he put this out on, uh, I want to say, Twitter, of hanging out by the Rio Grande at midnight. And uh, he's, he's talking about how just on the other side of the river, there's uh, people heckling him. But yeah, this this was, again, this went fucking nowhere. It's nothing. And uh, everybody ridiculed him pretty, pretty thoroughly. Uh, Beto O'Rourke had this to say, if you're looking for a crisis cosplay senator for, I'll be happy to point you in the right direction. Uh, you know, Ted Cruz. Piece of shit. Mm. Um, I have here the shrimp tail guy, the guy that found uh, the uh, shrimp tails yes. in his cinnamon toast crunch, went viral. Yeah, look, looking at uh, the collection of objects he found in his cinnamon toast crunch, it certainly appears mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um, some rats were nesting in this particular batch, uh, collecting various little items. Seems to be some droppings baked in. Why is a why would shrimp tails even be in the same factory that they make cinnamon toast crunch in? Well, this could have been some workers' lunch that oh, yeah. okay. uh, the okay. rats okay. found okay. and collected. And, Fair. Well, all of this is suspect now because we have yet another record-breaking uh, milkshake ducking. Mm-hmm. Wish we had a sound cut for that. <laughs> I think within uh, within a few hours of this going viral, um, this unfortunate cinnamon toast crunch, which I, I think was funny because the first thing that happens when somebody posts a picture of something, and a lot of times it's lies too, but when somebody posts a picture of something that they found in their food, if it does s- strike people as plausible, the company will respond and say something ridiculous like, uh, we, we've had a team examine the photos that you submitted to the internet, <laughs> and they've concluded that um, these are not, in fact, shrimp tails. It's a crystallization of the sugar and cinnamon mm-hmm. that it is formed in the shape of a shrimp tail, uh, to which he responded, don't fucking gaslight me. Um, <laughs> but it, just, it just happens to look like Jesus's face. We didn't try to do that. I will send you one of the shrimp tails. I'm keeping the other one for myself because no one's going to tell me that this isn't a fucking shrimp tail. Mm. They do this every. They do this every time, and I guess sometimes they're correct. Uh, what, what appears to be a fish head is, in fact, just a unusual looking nugget or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. There was the whole yeah rooster head and the chicken nuggets yes, years ago. Yes, right. Uh, which I guess did turn out to, to be, in fact, a, a think, rooster head shaped nugget. Yeah. But um, it, it's pretty easy uh, to determine, I think, if your if your nugget is, in fact. This, the skull of, of an I think animal. You'll be able to figure that out. Uh, the beak you gotta is crack a dead giveaway. Got to crack that open. Um, but yeah, in this in this situation, uh, within a few hours, several people who are acquainted with Shrimp Tail Guy had come out to <laughs> talk shit on him. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, God. Everything ranging from what? It was sexual harassment among them? Um, I didn't catch all the allegations. <clears throat> it, he was he was already uh, he was already ducked, let's say, by the time that I caught around to it. And so it was just like, OK, yeah, that was uh, a thing. I didn't really dig so into that me to ask uh, uh, adjacent complaints from some women of his acquaintance to uh, a guy that's like, yeah, and he stole my fucking podcast idea. <laughs> Shit. Um, including the name and the graphic really uh, of our podcast, which um, I think was like it was a podcast about cameo. But yeah, I guess no one really believes this guy at this point because hmm. he's proven publicly uh, to not be a, a super stand-up reliable guy and to in fact be kind of an attention whore. So if he did, if he did end up with the shrimp tails in his uh, CTC uh, morning CTC, I guess this guy's just cried wolf too many times. Yeah, I'll tell you that uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, one of my favorite cereals, and uh, I will not be shied away from. Uh, buying it over this fucking story. Last summer when everybody was posting um, video of their strawberries, worms coming out of their strawberries on TikTok. Uh, yeah, put, I don't know, put me off strawberries for about 15 seconds. And then I was like, damn, I could go for some strawberries. <laughs> uh, sure, there's probably worms in them. It is what it is. It's extra protein. Extra protein. Rat droppings I could do without. Yeah. Otherwise, in bullshit news, um, well, not really, because this is child abuse. Um, oh, boy. That we got bad baby coming for Dr. Phil, belatedly. So what's what's up with this? So bad baby, you might remember as the Cash Me Outside girl from oh, the Dr. Yeah. Phil show some years ago. <laughs> okay. Um, he, uh, as he does, um, ended up, you know, she's, she's an unruly teen, uh, cannot be controlled. A real force of nature. Mm -hmm. uh, they sent her to um, like a behavior modification camp. Uh, I guess a horse camp. A, uh, a horse camp. Yeah, yeah. It, so it's it, like a it's like a ranch where they. Um, you take troubled kids and you teach them how to get along with horses, and that makes them better people or yeah. some such. It sounds great, but um, yeah, a lot of these for profit. Uh, camps or you know behavior modification uh, facilities where people can send their unruly children um, don't have a great reputation i would imagine um kids have died in some of these facilities yeah uh but in fact someone was murdered in this one um the, uh, jesus uh not a not a kid but one of the staff members was murdered by one of the kids wow but uh yeah, horses can't solve everything i guess but yeah, uh, this Cash Me Outside girl whose name I can't quite recall, um, it went on to become Bad Baby, a recording artist, was friends with Billie Eilish, I'm told. Okay. Um, although I think they're on the outs now. Yeah, yeah. She she popped up uh, with some allegations. Well, actually, uh, a girl from this same camp uh, who was there around the time that Bad Baby was there. I was 13 years old when I went to Turnabout Ranch. I really want to get my whole story out there and let everything just be out because that's the thing with these places is you have no evidence. You don't have a phone there. They don't have cameras there. Like there's no evidence of none of this. And obviously all the staff is in on it. So they're not going to snitch on each other. All you really have is the kids that are there. So a young lady, her name is Hannah. She recently um, spoke out because while she was there, she was uh, sexually assaulted. And then when she reported that she was assaulted, uh, she was punished by staff. Now, 
when I seen the punishment she was given, I knew like, okay, I, yeah, I really have to say something. Like, I really have to have her back on this because I, I truly believe that they did that. So, Dr. Phil, I am going to give you from now till April 5th to issue an apology, not only to me, but to Hannah and any other child that you sent to Turnabout or any other program like this. And if you don't, I'm going to handle things my way. Kids, um, I guess, are uh, kind of put in um, kind of isolation for 72 hours upon arrival. Uh, they have to go into like um, like a tent uh, like a meditation tent or sweat lodge mm -hmm. and um, remain seated without laying down for 72 hours. And that um, there, some of the punishments for their non-compliant behavior include being deprived of warmth, blankets, food, and water. Okay. So war crimes. Um, and so see, uh, I guess bad baby came out and said, I support her um, and I'm, I'm going to speak out and say, uh, I completely believe her allegations because this is the kind of crap that I, this is kind of shit that I saw right. when I was there. And um, Dr. Phil coming for you, um, you've got 72 hours to respond to these allegations. You keep sending kids to this facility and if you don't handle it, I'll handle you, you know, that kind wow. of thing. Uh, Damn. Yeah. Them's fighting words, bad baby. I mean, I don't think anyone particularly likes this girl, but I like Dr. Phil way less. Yeah. Uh, no, and it's uh, it's it does seem to be coming up more and more that it's time for him to kind of uh, uh, exit the, the, the media sphere. People were talking about his, apparently uh, his interview with Shelley Duvall from some time ago. And a lot of people are saying that he was exploitative of her and was not was not pursuing due diligence as as a, a health professional <laughs> with, oh, with God, the way that please. he with the way that he treated her and, you know, kind of egged on uh, some some dangerous aspects of, of her own condition. I think that we have evidence of his shitty version of public psychiatry. Yeah. that's way more recent than that. Yeah. Oh, man. I wonder how long it's going to take to get a supercut of rando shit that he said to put in here. Um, probably not too long. Probably someone's already made one and we'll just throw it in. Good idea. Tomorrow on an all new Dr. Phil. Am I ugly? Do I have to answer that? I don't think I'm ugly. You're just older. No, you're, you're just running your mouth. Uh, so some news that uh, has been happening this week that I've been paying attention to is coming out of Georgia. Classic Georgia move. Uh, they have passed a new law restricting voter access that some are calling Jim Crow 2.0. Mm, yeah. So uh, Governor Brian Kemp, Confederate fetishist and turd burglar. Uh, you might remember him from December or January as a. Uh, the guy that Trump was calling, trying to get him to, like, you know, overturn or recall the election uh, in Georgia. They were doing a recount. And uh, so he kind of stood up to Trump. But now he's back on track with the Republican Party. In reference to this new uh, bill that was just signed into law, he predicts that critics will, quote, threaten, boycott, sue, demonize and team up with their friends in the national media to call me everything in the book. And they should because he's a total scab muncher. Um, as to what's in the law, uh, there are new voter ID requirements for absentee ballots. 
There is the power for state officials to take over local election boards. It limits the use of ballot drop boxes. And, of course, this law makes it illegal to offer food and water to voters who are waiting in line. A felony offense to offer water to voters in long lines. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, we're well past the point of arguing that food and water are basic necessities. Unfortunately. Uh, Those things are pretty thoroughly commodified. And if you can't afford them, then fucking die, I guess, you know. Uh, What I really see here, though, is that they are essentially outlawing compassion with that move. It's really interesting because, you know, they're all they're all about Christianity and everything. The fucking right. If the argument, though, is that everyday voters can be bribed with food and water, then it's an acknowledgement that you view citizens as a commodity also. And to say it another way, it's how fucking bad are you running your state if basic human necessities can buy political loyalty? I mean, if if things are so bad that you can get somebody to kind of sell out their their own interests and their own security and safety uh, with food and water, like how this this is straight out of a late stage capitalism hellscape. It, it is, and it's a non argument to begin with because obviously that's not voter bribery. Um, yeah, no, it's just most of the time on election day. Uh, I would like to also say there aren't two separate lines for Democrats and Republicans. Sometimes there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there often are not two separate lines of people waiting to to vote. Uh, yeah. It's not like you're going through the line being like, and what are you registered as? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess die of dehydration, you son of a bitch. Yeah, right. It's not like anybody is waiting to see how somebody voted and then giving then at that point giving them juice and a cookie because they voted for a particular political party or anything. The simple truth is there shouldn't be long lines on days with extreme weather conditions. There shouldn't be long lines at all. Voting should be easy and convenient for everybody uh, who is registered to vote and getting registered should be easy and convenient as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's long been uh, people have said the quiet part out loud, including Trump, uh, that you want to limit the quantity of people who are eligible to vote mm-hmm. who from from voting um, because the more people that vote the worse it is for mm-hmm. Republican policies uh, ballot initiatives and candidates yeah yeah I mean that's been sort of openly acknowledged in recent years mm-hmm. without even hedging it or, or couching it in any type of language that attempts to morally justify limiting people's rights to vote yeah. And this, it's uh, made obvious by just the month of February, uh, 43 states have proposed more than 250 bills that are one form or another yeah, of this is pendulum, restriction. Pendulum swing back uh, as, as um, the right wing attempts to regain power. So the real kicker of this, though, is that in the picture of uh, Brian Kemp, uh, copperphagist, Signing this bill into law, uh, he's flanked on both sides by white Republicans, uh, looking like a platter of saltines, in front of a painting of the Callaway Plantation, a notorious slave plantation with a documented history of cruelty. So, mm, very symbolic. Yeah, a, a little too symbolic, if you ask me. Um, that's actually one property. It's it's a real place that has an oral history, uh, and it's been documented by uh, some people that had lived there as slaves and they had their own makeshift prison and the owner of that plantation used dogs uh, to attack people Mm -hmm. and yeah, really brutal shit. And them signing this bill uh, into law right in front of that painting, I think kind of sends, sends that quiet message of like what this is all really about. 
Well, before we get off the topic, I did want to point out, too, that Senate Bill 7 uh, was just passed by the uh, Senate here in Texas. Uh, That would make sweeping changes to Texas voting by limiting extended early voting hours, prohibiting drive-through voting, and requiring Texans to provide proof of disability to qualify for mail-in voting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is also something that's coming up here in Texas, as, as everyone would. But speaking of voting, I did want to talk about the upcoming Amazon uh, Bessemer, Alabama union vote. Okay. Um, attempts have been made to unionize at Amazon in the past uh, many times. Uh, all have met with great resistance from the company and failed. Uh, this is an instance. Um, 51-year-old Daryl Richardson started this one. He's a black father of four and uh, w- works as a picker for the warehouse. <laughs> Uh, He began organizing after objecting to work conditions that he said felt were dehumanizing and made him feel disposable, which is a common complaint. Right. This this union effort, these union efforts are not about increased pay. They make 1530 an hour currently uh, with Benny's. Uh, It's not about getting more money, but getting more control of your humanity. Right. The the first incident that uh, was the catalyst for this push to unionize. Um, there were delays in finding a workstation um, for about 30 minutes, and he was later asked to sign a slip that acknowledged that he is a unproductive worker. And he was like, I'm not going to sign that. This is out of my control. It's like making somebody wear a dunce hat in um, school. <laughs> he also got a TOT um, technician off task for uh, some weeks later for his 10-minute uh, trip to the bathroom that was not during authorized times. That's a whole thing. Um, they do get two pre-allotted bathroom breaks, uh, 10 minutes unpaid, I believe, uh, no. per shift. I've seen a lot of back and forth in the news over whether or not uh, the workers actually piss in bottles. Yeah, because yeah. And, and I've heard from workers, too, uh, that like not personally, but what, what they have come out to say is, you know, it can take 10 minutes just to work your way across the factory to right. get to the bathroom. And if there's a line of other people that are also on their 10 minute allotted bathroom breaks, right. um, that that ends up being a wasted trip. And if you get like three of these TOTs, you know, that's it. You know, you're fucking fired. Anything that delays, you know, productivity. And w- yeah, when you work in the warehouse at Amazon, you there's an algorithm. Uh, you're, you're, all your movements are algorithmically. I mean, I've right, heard, right. I heard about this years ago. Um from people who it's not for everyone working in these Amazon warehouses. You're just a human cog in a big machine. You're constantly algorithmically tracked. You can never stop moving. It's very physically taxing. You kind of have to be young and fit to be able to keep up that pace. You know, some people found the challenge exhilarating, um, but you know, eventually people get broken down by it. Sure. And um, the, what they were describing sounded like a dystopian hellscape to me. And we've all worked in some of these type of places before where you're tracked and you're surveilled at all times. And mm-hmm. it's a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this sounded insane to me, what people had been describing. And then also, what's also creepy about Amazon is all of their aggressive and strident uh, attempts at union busting throughout the years. Oh, yeah. They got a history with it. You will learn about the warning signs most commonly associated with early union organizing, as well as other warning signs that could indicate associate disengagement, vulnerability to organizing, or early organizing activity. While employees have the right to organize, we have a right and responsibility to share our position that a direct working relationship is better for the customer, the company, and the associate. In order to be able to do that effectively, it is critical that we recognize the early warning signs of potential organizing and escalate concerns promptly. 
If you see warning signs of potential organizing, notify your building HRM and GM site leader immediately. HRMs and GM site leaders should notify their assigned ER managers or ER principal immediately. The most obvious signs would include use of words associated with unions or union-led movements like living wage or steward. Petitions or other concerted activity, such as an associate purporting to speak on behalf of his or her co-workers when raising concerns. Union graffiti, union t-shirts, hats, jackets, or other clothing, union flyers, and union visitors in or near the parking lot. Some signs are less obvious than finding the actual union flyer, but they can still indicate associate disengagement, which is itself a warning sign for potential organizing. Examples include associates who normally aren't connected to each other suddenly hanging out together, associates who were close suddenly stop speaking to each other, groups of associates scatter when approached by management, increased associate negativity, anger, or confrontation, unusual complaints or change in passion or detail around complaints, unusual interest in policies, benefits, employee lists, or other company information, or any other associate behavior that is out of character. For example, an associate who normally leaves promptly begins hanging out in the break room for an hour after work each day. In order to recognize warning signs, it is critical that you know what an associate's normal behavior looks like. Often, it is the change in behavior that is the warning sign, more than the actual behavior itself. Uh, there were protests in April over safety issues, uh, allegations the company wasn't providing masks or enforcing temperature checks uh, or personal space uh, or provide workers um, with paid sick leave uh, during the pandemic, during which time a lot of people got infected right. uh, in Amazon warehouses. And of course, Amazon has like the perfect business model for a pandemic when people don't want to leave their houses. A lot of people, oh, e yeah. even myself, who I hate Amazon, but... <clears throat> had succumbed and ordered products from Amazon because it's so much more convenient to have them delivered to you. And again, I fucking hate Amazon, but the convenience is so, and, and the prices are so incredibly tempting. It's something I try to use sparingly. Yeah, but. It's, uh, it's, it's a very alluring, evil thing. Uh, the, the summer of 2020 was the year that Jeff Bezos became like the richest man in the world. Yeah. You know, over... Um, over the last... you count Putin or somebody? I don't know. The officially richest <laughs> right. man in the world. God damn it. I'm trying to think. Someone had broken down. I, I think it was something like, okay, if you go back to 3500 BC and put a dollar in the bank and, start con and continue to put a dollar in the bank every day from then till now, you'll still only have, all these years later, a fraction of the amount of money that Bezos currently has. Right. Like, if, if you yeah. want to, it's so hard to wrap your head around billions. Yeah. <laughs> or, I guess, what uh, could end up being, what, it was speculated he might become the world's first trillionaire, trillionaire. in 2021. Yeah. People, so. are, people are positing that, you know, I know that over the last, I'm not sure, a handful of years, um, I want to say when Obama was still in office, it was pointed out that the you know majority of uh, the nation's wealth uh, was kept to something around eight people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, it was eight or ten people that really had the majority of the nation's wealth. Uh, in the year since, uh, we are now down to three. The majority of the nation's wealth is held by only three people. So the consolidation of wealth and the... Uh, that wealth, that wealth gap uh, is only getting larger. And that's, that's kind of the model for 
uh, capitalism for the the main ruling force behind our nation. So it's it's working. <laughs> it's doing what it intended. It's so fucked up that a corporation that has amassed this type of wealth still feels like they have to maximize productivity to the degree that the the workers are uh, dehumanized to this degree. And their union busting tactics um, are also kind of fucked up and dystopian. I guess it always that's sort of the nature of it. But yeah, so like starting in 18, and this became, uh, I think, uh, public notice too. Amazon had, uh, they were employing um, Amazon ambassadors. And one of their jobs was to take to social media and tweet about how great Amazon is and rumors you've heard about working conditions are all bullshit Mm -hmm. and really just say how fun and awesome it is to work at Amazon (laughs) and how dope working conditions are and how they are definitely allowed to go to the bathroom and are definitely not peeing in Mountain Dew bottles on shift or coming to work in adult diapers uh, in order to maximize productivity. Last month, Joe Biden weighed in. And um, I can insert a clip here um, where he expresses solidarity for uh, workers in Alabama attempting to unionize without threats or intimidation. I've long said America wasn't built by Wall Street. It was built by the middle class and unions built the middle class. Unions put power in the hands of workers. They level the playing field. They give you a stronger voice for your health your safety, higher wages, protections from racial discrimination and sexual harassment. Unions lift up workers, both union and non-union, and especially black and brown workers. Obviously, Bernie Sanders has, uh, is very pro-union, and he's been critical of Amazon's attempts at union busting. Um, and he just went out to Alabama to meet with Amazon workers who are spearheading the union movement. All right, so Amazon executive David Clark had tweeted, at Bernie Sanders... Welcome, at Senator Sanders, to Birmingham and appreciate his push for a progressive workplace. I often say we are the Bernie Sanders of employers, Uh, but that's not quite right because we actually (laughs) deliver a progressive workplace. Oh, for our constituents, a $15 minimum wage, health care from day one, career progression, and a safe and inclusive work environment. So, if you want to hear about $15 an hour in health care, Senator Sanders will be speaking downtown. But if you'd like to make $15 an hour and have health care, Amazon is hiring. Hmm. So, I don't know if he got ratioed. I'm looking at this right. Like, the first replies are definitely from a bunch of people who are um, linking news articles about Amazon uh, working conditions, worker abuse. Uh, going all the way back to uh, the shameful summer of 2011 uh, when um, there were reports that they had paramedics on standby to usher out people who collapsed of heat exhaustion uh, while on the line so that they could put them on a cot or a wheelchair and wheel them. You know what? Props to Amazon for uh, taking care of their workers who inevitably are collapsing from heat exhaustion yeah. while, while working because yeah. uh, they are not allowed to walk away. I liked this. I liked this reply. You should pack yourself into one of those little smiley face boxes and prime yourself into the sun. Hmm. Um, I think that's the that's, that's sens- cute. sensible reply uh, to this uh, Amazon executive piece of shit. That's like a, it's like something your granny would say. <laughs> <laughs> like it. The upcoming vote is going to be on the 29th, and it could be a very important uh, union vote in uh, the in American history of unions. 
I don't have a lot of confidence, really, um, because of their uh, aggressive union busting efforts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. the fact that a lot of people who voted early actually are no longer employed with Amazon mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. various reasons, uh, sometimes having to do with medical medical stress or exhaustion. Um, they're not allowed to just straight up fire people. Yeah. Uh, but they'll, they'll find reasons. <clears throat> and uh, uh, that's a that's a term. I, I forget what it is, but it's essentially it grants employers the right to basically name anything they want to as a reason. And so it gives a sidestep for anybody that does want to fire somebody because of something illegal. It's uh, very, very easy to like get a fired lot of times, when you work for Amazon. Yeah. There's uh, not any job security. They got there. a lot of things baked in, ways that they can legitimately get rid of you if they simply don't like you even. And uh, it, yeah, it doesn't behoove them at all. It doesn't help them to have unions. Uh, they are modeled after exploitation of people. But apparently it doesn't hurt them either because their big uh, message uh, with the vote no initiative is uh, unions don't do anything. It's all empty promises. They can't help you anyway. We can help you. Unions don't do anything. And um, yeah, if that was true, I wonder why they're investing so many uh, financial and um, personnel resources into fighting them. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, guys. Yeah, you got to think about it a little bit. Well, uh, Amazon, a truly American company, and it's uh, hatred for unions. Uh, I did want to... Uh, do kind of a check-in on something. Uh, we don't have a Badass of the Week this week, I believe. Do you? Have... I, no, I didn't think about it. Yeah. Well, I've got an update for last week's, uh, our, our first ever, Xiao Zhen Shai. You might remember the uh, elderly woman who was assaulted in San Francisco by this total fucking tool, uh, Steven. I won't even say his name. Steven. Yeah. Steven Jenkins, this piece of shit, just like came up and sucker punched her. And she uh, she beat him up. She gave him, gave him what she for. Gave him what for. And uh, yeah, so I had mentioned last week that they had started a GoFundMe uh, to cover some of the medical bills because, you know, she had some black eyes and had to, had to go to the hospital over it. And uh, they put a goal of about, I uh, want to say, 50 grand or so, 30 grand. And uh, that was already like doubled whenever we reported on it. Over the last week, a grand total of $960,000 has been donated, Mm -hmm. and uh, they are turning around. She is turning around and donating $900,000 of that to various uh, AAPI organizations uh, to help build community and push for legislation uh, and protection of the Asian community. So she's turning right back around. That's good. Uh, I, yeah. As much as I really hate that we are a society that is relying on public sympathy and these uh, GoFundMes uh, in order to help people cover their medical bills, mm-hmm. uh, a sympathetic person um, who has suffered. Also, that someone can become the sympathetic face of uh, victimization due to racism can then take that money and apply it towards organizations that can uh, use it for public good mm-hmm. is something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the idea of uh, crowdsourcing your, your medical bills and everything, another, another great hit from late stage capitalism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is something interesting that there's also the ways that people are building networks uh, of, of mutual aid and ways to kind of like look out for each other mm-hmm. and, and, help uh, position themselves and leverage themselves in the world 
understanding that it's really hard to do uh, when capitalism rules all. Uh, we are still seeing people putting in that work and that's dope. Uh, but to cap this off, um, she gave a bit of a statement and her, her grandson gave a statement on this. He said that, you know, she was really adamant about donating this money. And her message that she wants to get out is we must not submit to racism and we must fight to the death if necessary. So she feels pretty hardcore about it. And uh, yeah, I'm about it. She's our badass of this week, too, uh, I guess. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Joe breaking in with your station break. I just want to take a moment to say thanks for listening to our show. And thanks for listening to KBSR. As you know, Black Sparrow Digital Radio is fully independent. We keep everything going with the support of our Patreon community. Uh, you can go get in on it. Uh, I would recommend going to blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and looking for the Patreon link from there. And uh, while you're there, you could also just stream the radio 24-7. we got tons of good shows and music uh, in between and a lot of good music shows. Uh, Wall of Sound is a newer one that I'm really digging. It's really great. And then, of course, you know, Radio Free Abro, Feedback Loop, uh, Black Sparrow Retro, uh, all really dope stuff. Um, we've got another DJ or two coming on soon. We'll get more details as it emerges. Uh, we've always got more stuff coming out. Uh, yeah, so go check all that stuff out. Also, I need to give thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for use of the theme song, Dying in Texas. You can go find him on SoundCloud. And uh, Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic, who you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, and I think he's got his own website where you can go buy vinyls and stuff of all those good projects, of all those good music. Well, them's the important things. Uh, everybody reach out to us if you want to be part of the conversation. Uh, we got the email, we're trying show at gmail.com, and we got that Instagram, we're uh, Radio Gripe TX. Uh, yeah, go hook up with us online. Uh, it'll be fun. Anyway, bye. This is some depressing stuff to talk about, but, uh, you know, there were two high-profile national uh, mass shootings within a seven-day period. Yeah. Yeah, obviously the one that happened in Georgia and then uh, Colorado at the supermarket. But yeah, just to talk about that, uh, the you know, Colorado has actually been the site of a lot of high-profile mass shootings, um, you know, since 1999, the deadly Columbine High School shooting that killed 13 and injured 24 kids and adults, the Aurora Theater shooting uh, that killed 12 and injured 70, uh, the Planned Parenthood shooting, many other mm -hmm. school shootings. So I was just checking in with uh, gun control sentiment uh, in Colorado in general and in, in Boulder. Uh, which it's a lot higher in Boulder than in the rest of Colorado. So three years ago after the Parkland school shooting that was not too far from Boulder, uh, the city of Boulder unanimously adopted a ban on the sale and possession of assault weapons, uh, high-capacity magazines, and bump stock devices. Obviously, gun rights activists filed an immediate challenge, that, and that challenge uh, essentially was only the state can make laws regulating firearms. Mm -hmm. uh, so earlier this month, a judge agreed overturning the assault weapons ban in Boulder, uh, less than two weeks after that, the shooting in the Boulder supermarket occurred, which killed 10 people. I guess a question we have to ask, too, is like if you if you look more closely at gun control laws, this is, discussion tends to become an overly simplistic binary uh, with people representing their own agendas. But, um, you know, like the NRA. But oh God. you hear about AR-15s a lot when it comes to these shootings, um, which is an, an assault weapon 
that a lot of these uh, sale bans end up focusing on. Um, in this instant, the 21-year-old used a uh, Ruger AR-556 pistol he had purchased six days prior outside of Boulder. Mm-hmm. So he uses the same ammunition as the infamous AR-15, but it is smaller and more maneuverable with a shorter muzzle and abbreviated back end. Um, it is a semi-automatic, uh, like the AR-15, um, but it's smaller and concealable. Like it's been described as like a compact version of the limousine that is the, you know, uh, sure. perfect killing machine that is the AR-15. Uh, so this gun is actually undefinable as either a pistol or a rifle under the definition of both under the Federal Gun Control Act of 1968, uh, which actually has nothing to do with barrel length. It's all about how you're supposed to shoot it, whether you... It essentially requires both hands. It has to be placed right. on your shoulder versus uh-huh. if you're able to. Uh, I think it also has to do with whether it's. See, now here's the thing. I'm not a gun. I'm not a gun person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought it was worth examining. In, in this instance, the Federal Gun Control Act of 1968 does regulate certain weapons such as machine guns, silencers, and sawed-off shotguns, um, requiring a month-long process to attain certain weapons. Uh, but it's it is unclear if the the assault rifle ban, if it had stood, uh, would even have would, yeah. had any effect on the uh, purchase of the AR-556 pist- well, pistol. It's essentially mm-hmm. be classified as a pistol. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you have any if you have any thoughts. Uh, I mean, I find that interesting. Those are details that I didn't know about. Yeah, I think you know with what you're talking about, uh, there's there's of course the term submachine gun. Uh, which is typically something more than a pistol and less than a rifle. It does re- reside somewhere in between. And uh, yeah, they're, they're typically uh, semi-automatic and uh, convertible to be fully automatic. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and so, yeah, insofar as that, it's, it's interesting that there's, <laughs> there's not like legal framework for this uh, weapon. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. gun technology continues to get more sophisticated. It can get sophisticated in certain ways, like that you have to use a uh, like a fingerprint to unlock your personal weapon. Yeah, it can, but that sort of technology has been banned uh, from you know from use yeah. by powerful lobbies like the NRA. You know, and that's we what I'm thinking of in the back of my mind. I don't want to interrupt your flow, but I have been thinking about the NRA. We've already talked before on the show though about them declaring bankruptcy, trying to move to Texas, and all these other things, and. I just read a thing today about their law firm uh, that's rep- representing them, and they're they're kind of weird, sneaky behind closed doors plans to to exploit legal loopholes uh, to get away from New York City and get away from litigation that's coming against them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's too much to talk about, but uh, yeah, just being reminded that the NRA is like it's now feeling, I think, like this cornered fucking business animal and uh it's trying to escape and like gain some footing um and the uh the the debate about gun control right now is getting worse and worse and everybody's everybody's getting feared about all their fucking guns and my thought is that there are so many ways that the government could have already done it and would do it but won't they have no interest in taking your guns. They want you if to have If it wasn't them. for the emotionality like, of this uh, this knee-jerk reaction, I think... Well, I hate to say, like, 
on both sides because obviously if, if your kid is a victim in a school shooting due to a, an assault style weapon, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of emotionality and you're going to want to see some fucking laws passed to protect your fucking children. Right. But then you also have like, you've got gun owners in rural areas that cannot believe the draconian gun laws that exist in major metropolitan areas. Yeah. Um, I, now I'm inclined to say for my opinion that Colorado is the Colorado courts are wrong. That a state should not be allowed to dictate gun laws across the board for both uh, major cities and rural areas mm-hmm. alike. But I know that's problematic, too. Um, like, if you look at Chicago, for example, so law enforcement officials say that guns uh, in Chicago are coming 60% from neighboring states, like Indiana has very lax gun laws, 40% right. from suburban Cook County and incidentally, Chicago does not have the strictest gun laws in the nation, contrary to popular belief. And, you know, it's been re- widely repeated. Their gun laws are actually less strict than New York City. Mm-hmm. Concealed carry is legal in Chicago, but you do need a permit, which requires a training course, a 16-hour training course, and a demonstration um, on a shooting range so that you know how to use the weapon. Um, you can have your gun at home uh, without that permit. You do have have to have an FOID card. Um, which would require an application fee, uh, and those concealed carry we- concealed carry is prohibited from. Uh, you are prohibited from bringing firearms into schools, playgrounds, government buildings, and public transportation, as well as any private building that displays a no gun sticker clearly posted at the entrance. Right. Now, these gun laws might sound draconian to a Texan. I feel like I see those. Uh, no. I- I see these signs in Texas. Yeah, and there's <laughs> protests. There's protests all across Texas oh, constantly. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, constantly. Fair enough. Yeah, there's always a bunch of. There's always somebody that's going to walk into carry. a Starbucks. Yeah. with their with their fucking uh, AR-15. Back- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a thing. People going into fucking Waterburger, uh, all open carry. Yeah, and and good news for Texans, Texans I love too. Y'all, but just looking into the the Illinois uh, laws, if you're going to pass through Illinois. Uh, you can totally take your guns with you, but you do have to leave them in the car. Uh-huh. Uh, I realize that's upsetting for you. Um, but at least you can have those. Um, so, yeah, also, I was looking at gun violence because a lot of people make an example of Chicago, too, and say that they have the strictest gun laws in the nation, which I've, I've just said is not true, uh, but also that they uh, are the gun violence capital of the U.S. So I was just checking to see if that was still true. Uh, I don't know at what point it was true. Obviously, gun violence is very bad in Chicago, and they had a bad summer in 2020 as well. It turns out they are not in the top five. They might be in the top ten. But um, yeah, I was just looking. I just thought this was kind of interesting. They are not the gun violence capital of the U.S. And I was pleased to see that my hometown city of Detroit is no longer in the top five. Hmm. Uh, Detroit is number seven, just behind Flint, Michigan. Also, okay. um, not in the top five though. Uh, it is Baltimore, St. Louis, Gary, Indiana, uh, Chester, Pennsylvania, and East Louis, Illinois, or East Louis, Illinois. Uh, I'm not familiar with the place, uh, but that's a, that's actually a small town. Uh, that was that's 23 murders in 2020 for a small population of 34,000. So they could have just had a bad year. I found it interesting that Gary, Indiana, was on there. Um, yeah, I don't. I should I should really quit trash talking Gary, Indiana, especially now that I know <laughs> they're dealing with so much uh, um, murder. Yeah, I was actually speaking of uh, St. Louis too, not East Louis, but St. Louis. I was. I also looked at a list of the uh, top twenty most murdery cities in the world. Oh boy! 
And uh, St. Louis was on that list, uh, which otherwise only includes cities from Latin America, such as Caracas and Tijuana. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I I know that here on the show we have an incredibly geographically diverse listenership from Mm -hmm. here in Taylor, Texas to Round Rock, Texas. Uh, and further out into the uh, further further reaches of the world. Uh, so um, yeah, differing uh, differing opinions geographically. Uh, any any listeners who want to continue this discussion on uh, gun control, yeah, go ahead and hit us up at we're trying show at gmail.com. That's our email. We also have an Instagram. That's Instagram. That's a great place for this uh, kind of conversation to occur, right? Uh, our Instagram is uh, Radio Gripe TX. Uh, you can find us there, and uh, we can continue this discussion uh, with the all the nuance that it deserves yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I I had been thinking a little bit about um, what had gone on in Boulder, and uh, and also I don't know if you caught it, but just a couple days after that, in I want to say Atlanta, uh, there was. Uh, what appears to be a, a foiled attempt where there is a, an Instacart worker, uh, which is a person that goes and buys uh, groceries for you and then delivers them. And uh, I believe doesn't get paid an hourly. I don't know if they change that anyway, tip your Instacart driver y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah. An Instacart worker went into the bathroom at a Publix in Atlanta, Georgia, and, uh, basically saw somebody that was in a stall, uh, that, they could see that they had weapons uh, with them on the floor and they heard what sounded like guns being loaded. And yeah, they found somebody with a cache of guns and a whole lot of ammunition. Uh, Yeah. That happened just a couple days after uh, the incidents in Boulder. So fucking wild, right? These times makes me not want to even go to my favorite local HEB. You know, I was listening to um, one of the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting some years ago. Uh-huh. Um, her firsthand account of her experiences that night. I think she was only 21 and yeah, I had gone there with her um, like a, a couple cousins and a couple friends and it's the tail end of the night and they've had a great time. They've been dancing all night and they're wrapping up and I had to stop because it, you know, it's, yeah. it's really hard to listen to and it brought me to tears. What's... But she she was one of the ones that she actually escaped when the shooting started, but realized that her friend was still inside, went back in, crawling on the floor to look for her friend. Yeah. Found her and the the exit at that point was just too far away. So they took shelter in the bathroom mm-hmm. uh, in a stall where other people were also sheltering. And of course, there's the, the nightmarish moment where the gun, the gunman walks into the bathroom and just starts kicking open stalls and shooting people. Um, and, and she was shot. And so is her friend. Her friend didn't make it. You got to, you know, at some point you got to think about what you um the ways that you'd react in this nightmare scenario. You're going to be somebody that keeps a cool head and tries to save yourself and save the people that you love or, um, you know, go catatonic in fear. I I don't know. I don't think anyone knows. uh, I don't think any of us knows how we would react in that situation um, until we're placed in it. That's a really, uh, yeah, it's a very difficult subject to talk about because it has become uh, very prevalent. And uh, I mean, there was the incident in San Antonio, uh, at a at a Walmart, even uh, about a year, year right. and a half ago, like uh, this is this is the gun culture that America does live in. Anybody who is banging the 
the drum of uh, Second Amendment protector. It's just so much sound and fury over nothing. Like it's this area where America as a society and as a as a large corporate entity wants you to have guns. Clearly, there's no restrictions on how many guns are made, sold. The, there's very slight restrictions, and this this idea that the the uh, only thing that is protecting us from uh, you know uh, living in a militaristic you know fascist state is um, that the populace is armed. The populace is so well armed. Yeah, I, which don't, we're, I don't buy that. The populace is not well armed compared to the military grade weapons that even the even the police uh, currently have access to. So, well, I'm willing it's, to bet. I'm willing to bet it's a pretty fair match. But I know the military is going to have better <laughs> stuff ultimately. Uh, look, I mean, look, hey, if the military can have if, if the military can have tanks, then I should be able to have a tank too. So this is the truth of it. Where we actually live. If the in, government has nuclear <laughs> weapons. I should be able to have nuclear weapons, too, because that's the only thing that is preventing total government tyranny is that I also have chemical weapons. I'm trying to think of the three categories of weapons. Uh, chem- chemical weapons, biological weapons, and, munitions. And nuclear. And nuclear. Yeah. This has been Bad Take Corner. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, it, it's, all of it just does go to show you that we do live in a very militarized society. That is America. You know what I mean? Well, uh, um, been a fun one, huh? Hey, thanks for joining us again. It's always, always a pleasure to uh... gripe with you. Yeah, many thanks, everybody, for listening in. Um, I'm going to mention again, we've got the Patreon bonus stuff coming up where we're going to talk about rocking the aughts. Uh, get on the Patreon to get check that whole thing out. And I uh, want to give some thanks. Of course, we got you know Trevor in the Mental State Fair for the use of the theme song Dying in Texas and our man Alex Cuervo with the Spectro Static. And uh, who knows, uh, I might be throwing some more stuff in here and post by other people. I'll let you know in the show notes if that's the case. Um yeah, go check out all the other stuff on KBSR. We've got some new stuff coming out. We got a couple of new DJs that I'm pretty into, and wanna can't wait to, can't wait to hear that. Until such time, everybody stay cool. I've been Joe. I've been Jen. And later. Yeah.